KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. And today is Wednesday, the Shul in Akedat Yitzchak. This is Ezra Beck. Another uh, installment in our continuing series on the implications, ramifications, and discussions of the story of Akedat Yitzchak. Today, I would like to discuss a Midrash, a different Midrash, concerning the Akedah. And I'll say in advance that it's one in which I'm not a hundred percent sure what we're supposed to what we're supposed to learn from it, what we're supposed to take from this midrash. I suspect that is one of the points of the midrash. Midrash is expressing a an equivocal note in the actions of Avraham, uh, placing it in a discussion. The Medrash itself, in its broad outlines, is very famous. Discussion that Avraham has with Samael, with the Satan, with his own Yetzirah, or with his own Yetzirah, while walking towards the Akedah. I'll quote the entire Medrash, um, since the beginning is also interesting, but my basic uh, interest lies in the end of the Medrash, which we'll get to in a little while. The Midrash is as follows. In Midrash Rabbah, it's Parshan Nun Vav, Ot Dalid, 56.4. And it says as follows. It's going on the Pasuk when they're almost already there. And Vayomer Yitzchak El Avraham Avi, Vayomer Avi, Yitzchak asks Avraham, where's the, where's the Seh? Where is the actual animal that will be sacrificed? A very poignant question since we know the answer. And Yitzchak does not. Uh, the Midrash chooses this pasuk to introduce a conversation which apparently took place just beforehand. And the Midrash has a number of versions of this conversation. And this is how it goes. Balos Samael Avraham. Samael is the name in Chazal for the Satan. Uh, an angel whose job is to uh, challenge you in your observance of mitzvot. Samael came to our father Avraham. Amalo. And he said to him as follows. He's Avraham is walking three days. I think it's fair to say that the uh, figure of Samael here is Avraham's inner, inner personality. His conscience, his doubts. His Yetzirah Tov, his Yetzirah his subconscious. And here's what Samael said to Avraham. Saba, Saba, Obedat Libach. Old man, old man, grandfather, grandfather, have you lost your heart? The son that was given to you when you were 100 years old, you are going to slaughter. In other words, he appeals to his basic, uh, basic love. And Rachmanus and pity. He appeals to his good nature. How are you going to slaughter the son for whom you waited so long given to you when you were 100 years old? And the answer that Abraham gives is Amalei al menatken. Abraham gives a perfect, an answer that's a perfect example of faith. Al menatken. Precisely so. Dafka. I'm going to slaughter him knowing that this is the son feeling that this is the son who was given to me when I was 100 years old. Amale, then Samael brings up another, another argument. So we have the, the first argument, okay, we understand. It's, it's the basic story of the Akedah. 
I have nothing more to add. The second one is a little more interesting, and I will uh, uh, spend a few minutes on it before we get to the third, the third argument. The second argument. Amalei. Samael said to Abraham, At And if this will only be the preview to a greater challenge, a greater Nisayan, after all, you get the impression that God is really pushing you to great limits. So will you be able to continue? This goes to the point which we mentioned in the past, that the idea of Nisayan isn't a one-time thing, but especially according to Rav Chastai Kreskas, as well as others, it's it's a process. Avraham eser nisyonot nisnasavaravinu. Each nisyon leads to the next one. So basically, someone was saying to him, "There's going to be another one." You know, before you agree to this one, maybe it's time to stop it now. If you don't stop it now, you're going to just get in deeper, kind of a slippery slope between yourself and God. Amalei v'yeter aldin. Avraham said, "Fine, no problem." Amalei v'machar. Omer lecha shofech damat chayav sheshafachta damoshel bincha. Samael says, this is really devilish. Samael says to Avraham Avinu, tomorrow, after you complete the Akedah, I tell you, God will say to you, you are a murderer. And you are guilty. You are condemned. God will condemn you as a murderer for you have spilled the blood of your son. Amalei Amanat Kain. Abba said, precisely so. I accept and I do it dafka, knowing what you just said to me. Now this argument of Samael here is a very interesting argument. It's the only place I found in Chazal where you have a, a, I believe, an explicit reference to the moral impossibility of the Akedah. Samael says to Abba that what you're going to do, you know is wrong. In my very first year, I believe it was the first year, I claimed that Avraham, Avraham's agreement to perform the Akedah is not because he suspends the ethical and says, even though it's wrong, I will do it. But he says, if God told me to do it, though, although I don't understand it, it must be good. Samael says to him, Samael is he should forgive me. Samaylus Kierkegaard. The Satan says to it's wrong. God thinks it's wrong. And if you do it tomorrow, he's going to tell you it was wrong. And the ethical, and God is the ethical, the ethical will condemn you. And I don't think the question is, aren't you worried that that God will be mean to you. God will be mean to him now, so he can be mean to him tomorrow as well. God will punish him. He's punishing him now. It's just more suffering. I think what he's saying to him is that even God himself will condemn you. The moral responsibility for what you're doing will not be on God's shoulders. It'll be on your shoulders. Sometimes we imagine that if we're not sure if something is right or wrong, but someone we respect tells us to do it, so we'll do it. And worst comes to us, he'll be responsible. So Mel says, you do this, you're responsible. Not God. God won't accept responsibility for this because it really is wrong. And you know it's wrong. Everything I talked about in those first couple of Shurim, how man has the ability to know the right and wrong. So Allah says to him, you know that it's wrong and you're right. It's really wrong. Therefore, you can't roll the responsibility onto God's shoulders. It'll be your responsibility. You will be condemned. It doesn't say you'll be punished. 
says, you will be condemned, meaning you will be a Russia. And God will not disagree with that, because you can't disagree with it, because it's true. In other words, he's really presenting Abraham Avinu with the, the ethical paradox, which we spoke about in the first Rishiyon, which Brad Kirchgar wrote his book. Are you going to do something which is in fact wrong? Avinu's answer is Amanat Kain, and if I understood this message correctly, then Avinu's answer is the Kierkegaardian answer, which I rejected. But here, the Medrash appears to me, this one line of Medrash appears to be saying, Avinu says, even though I know that it is absolutely wrong, even if God Himself will tell me that it's wrong. In other words, suppose God before the Akedah said Avinu, it's wrong, but I want you to do it. Someone else says, he'll tell you this afterwards. But he, he, that's what's going to happen. It's absolutely wrong, and God himself thinks so, and will say so. Therefore, it's as though he said it now. But he wants you to do it anyhow. And Vavamino says, if that's so, I do it anyhow. So I admit, I rejected this possibility. And I think you could probably explain this matter somewhat differently. You could explain it on an emotional level rather than on a philosophical level. That somebody was simply saying to Vavamino, if God is going to torture, you should know that the torture will increase, as the previous arguments were. You know, it can get worse. That you think that after you finish the Akedah, you will have the, the benefit of at least feeling that, ah, oh, God loves me. Okay, I volunteered, I, I, I sacrificed my son, I basically destroyed my life, but at least God loves me. And Samuel says to him, <laughs> you're not going to believe him that. God wants you to sacrifice your son and also sacrifice the, the psychological approval, the emotional approval you feel, uh, satisfaction you get from being approved by God. You're going to be disapproved by God. He's going to throw you into the rubbish heap. This reminds us of a, uh, of a medrash about, uh, the, I think it was Adrianus or Nero, Nero and Kesar. The medrash says when he came to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, he didn't want to. And so he threw, sent arrows in each direction. Each time he sent up an arrow, it turned and, and, and struck the Beit HaMikdash. And then so he said, this man who's called Nero and Kesar, apparently he's not the Caesar Nero, but somebody else. He said, God wishes to destroy his house and then wipe his hands on me. As he's saying, God wants me to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, but then he's going to blame me, not anybody else. So he ran away, he didn't do it. He refused to take that kind of responsibility. Avraham Avinu says, I will take that kind of responsibility. I think you could understand the Midrash, and I frankly, philosophically, my own personal philosophy, would prefer to understand the Midrash, as saying that the uh, Nisayan that the uh, Satan is putting Avraham Avinu through is an emotional one. You should know that you're not going to gain anything from this loss. It's going to be a loss and an absolute loss. Even the approval of God you won't have. And Vermeer says, I sacrifice everything for God. However, I say that's a possibility, but I, I, I can see that someone, in fact, would claim the Midrash is speaking philosophically and not emotionally, and is saying that Avramavinu says, not just am I willing to forego and sacrifice God's approval, but in fact, I'm willing to sacrifice the ethical itself. I know it's wrong. If God disapproves, then there's no question that it's wrong. I think it's wrong, and he thinks it's wrong. There's no argument anymore. But I'll do it anyhow because it's his will. His will trumps the ethical. Again, I claim that this can't be, that it's not a Jewish opinion. It might be this line in Midrash. Midrashim are always interesting, although I've suggested an alternative explanation as well. But now I want to get to the main point that I would like to talk about today, which is the, the end of the Midrash. The Drash says as follows, The Satan has made these uh, three suggestions to Abraham, and Abraham has rejected them, 
simply, perfectly, without compunctions, without hesitation. Al minat ken. I hear what you're saying, and I go about it anyhow. So he moved over to Yitzchak. And this itself is interesting from the Midrash's point of view. After all, I think it's clear that the purpose of this Midrash is basically to exemplify the point. It's not really interested in Avinu's personal psychology. It's interested in the conflict between doing the Akedah and the considerations that the Satan uh, raises. Nonetheless, the next point is one that the Midrash did not think could be raised to Avraham. It wouldn't move him at all. Satan knows that nothing can change Avraham, but there is a point, a valid point in the eyes of the Satan, and there's a, a potential point which could inhibit the Akedah, but it's inapplicable to Avraham, but it might work on Yitzchak. And what does he say to him? He says to Yitzchak, Amar lo, alufta, so the first thing he said was, you, Brada alufta, the son of the miserable one, meaning Sarah, he's subtly, he's not saying to him, your mother's miserable. He's saying, you, the son of that poor miserable woman, don't you know that he is going to slaughter you? Okay, so this is direct. This is more or less an attempt to do Tzitzak with Yitzhak but the truth is, working at least subtly, not merely on do you want to die, but do you want to make your mother miserable? And the relationship of a son to a mother is different than that of even a husband to a wife. And therefore, there might be, I think it's a raising of the emotional stakes. Doesn't work. Amalem anat kein. Yitzhak is a tzaddik like Abba Mavino. He says, no problem. I know it. I accept responsibility for it. I continue anyhow, as the Pasuk says later on, that Rashi points out that Yitzhak knew and both he and Avraham they had the same the same art. Aha, listen to the last argument. Amalei, he said to Yitzhak, Im Kain, if you do this, if you agree to do this, if the Yakedah is carried out, Kol otan ha-pagaziot sha'asat imcha li-Yishmael s'na'i de-beitei yiruta. Ve'ata incha machnis belibcha. He said to him, all those pagaziot, yeah, the Fashim say that it means uh, nice clothing, special gifts. If Yitzhak had been a little bit younger, I would say the special toys. Since he's 37, that's not exactly applicable. But anyway, all those things that your mother prepared specially for you, her one son that she brought at the age of 90. They will now be inherited by Yishmael, the enemy, the hated one of the house. You don't place that in your heart, you don't let that enter your heart. That's what he said. strange argument. It's not a moral argument. It's not saying your mother is miserable. It's saying aside from the fact that your mother is miserable, which was the previous point, it's saying there's something ironic. There's something, it just looks unfair. Your mother poured her love into you and practically speaking, the object of that love will now be held by Ishmael, your rival. The one who your mother threw out of the house. Isn't that terrible? Don't you, don't you feel that in your heart? Now, to me, who's not there, 
I think the previous four or five arguments were much more powerful. He said to Abraham, are you going to kill somebody? Are you going to be immoral? He said to Yitzhak, are you going to make your mother miserable for the rest of her life? Yitzhak and Abraham just shrugged it off. No problem. I'm not Cain. And now he's saying, you know, aside from the fact that your mother is miserable and your father's a murderer and you're dead, aside from that, there's this basically aesthetically unpleasing picture. You know, if it was a movie, it would be very poignant in a negative sense that the toys that your mother went out and bought for you, the little beautiful baby suit, so Yishmael now has it and he's giving it to his kids. That is not morally more significant than the previous points. What happens? What does Yitzhak answer? No answer. The Midrash makes the following comment on this statement of the Satan. Kadloteyal milakula teyal palga. A bit of wisdom from Chazal. Sometimes a word which doesn't succeed completely succeeds partially. Original Pasuk on which this Midrash was going. And this is what the Midrash is trying to say. Yitzchak turns to his father and says, My father, I see the fire and the wood, but where is the uh, the sheep? He turns to his father and says, Avi. He precedes his comment by saying, My father. Although no one else was there. I and mean, he didn't have to say that. Midrash says, Lama avi avi bet pamim. Why did he say my father twice? It doesn't say my father twice. It says, Vayomer el aviv. Vayomer Yitzchak el avraham aviv. Vayomer avi. He said to his father Avraham, And he said, my father. Why is the Pasuk called Avraham his father twice, including once in Yitzchak's own words? Kedei shit malei arav rachamim. Yitzchak appealed to his father by saying my father. And asking the question, where is the sheep? Because subtly he's reminding his father of his father. He is in fact appealing to his father's mercy. I believe that the Midrash is saying this on a subconscious level. That's what it means. That which doesn't work 100% still works partially. Yitzhak does not accept. He rejects the argument of the Satan about the uh, uh, the love of of Sarah being in the hands of Ishmael, but subconsciously or half-consciously, yes, something has changed. Because of this argument and no other. And when he turns to his father and asks the question, and when he gets the answer, Hashem Yireh, God will show us the sheep, which he in fact understands to mean that it's him, it'll be Be'yachushnem Yachtav. He's not going, he's going to accept it. But somewhere in his heart he hopes that Maybe his father will change his mind after hearing this last argument. And that's expressed in one word. Avi, my father, where is the sheep? And in fact, he, uh, he says to him, Elohim yireh lo haseh b'ni, which Midrash interprets to mean, Elohim yireh lo haseh. B'ni, God will show us a seh, but b'ni, im lav ata seh lo la b'ni. Ravam basically said to him, God will bring us the sheep, and if not, b'ni, you'll be the sheep. Vayachush, neem yachtav. Zeh la'akod b'zeh la'akeid, zeh lishchot b'zeh lishachet. And afterwards they both walked together. This one to bind, and this one to be bound, this one to slaughter, and this one to be slaughtered. No question how Yitzhak's head is organized, and Yitzhak is able to completely subjugate his 
will, his body, his hands and legs to his head. His head says, I do God's will. But something about this last argument left a chord. Something resonates in Yitzhak and only in Yitzhak's heart, not in Avraham Avinu's, from this last argument. And this is what I'd like to try to understand. What is this argument? Again, the Chazal here is very equivocal. It's rejected. The argument doesn't work. It's not as if we finally found the point at which the Akedah fails. No, 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 no. The argument is rejected. Zele akod vezele akeid. He to bind and he to be bound. Yachdaf. They walked together as one. And yet, as opposed to the previous arguments, which were simply rejected, this one continues to resonate in Yitzhak's heart. Okay, I, hit, I, hit, I think that here too there are two possibilities. And here I'm really not sure which way to understand it. Uh, partially because for, for commentary reasons, for, for hermeneutic reasons, what is the correct interpretation of the Midrash? And partially because of, am I willing to accept the implications of the Midrash? Okay, the first possibility is basically psychological. Midrash is saying that intellectually this argument is worthless. Let's face it. <laughs> if, it's, if it's okay to kill, if it's okay to ruin your mother's life, then it's really not a big difference. It's not a difference at all that, and as a result of that, Yishmael, the evil one, will get to inherit the special clothing and the toys and the, and the gifts of love that Sarah had prepared for Yitzhak. It's an emotional difference. There's, there's something which, which strikes our heart. Our heads are totally immune to this argument. And they should be. But, you know, it's like I say, not only did you kill the guy, but you also took his money. What, uh, what the Navi said to Achav Melech Yisrael, Not only did you kill him, you also inherited his money. So there too. If you're already a murderer, stealing is a lesser, is, stealing, even steal. If you already kill somebody, taking his money is, is not a larger avail. It's just, it's just strikingly immoral. It just, it, it, it increases the, 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 the aesthetic ugliness of what you're doing. And, and so somewhat similarly here, it could be that in terms of the Satan, how the Satan works, it doesn't only appeal, and it's an important thing to realize, it doesn't only appeal to our logic. There are things which, which motivate us, which we can't reject. And therefore the Midrash says, Kadloteo melakula teo palga a word which doesn't work completely because it's rejected in the head, quite correctly, but there are other avenues. And sometimes the word lands in your heart and bypasses your head. And, and you should know that there it's going to have some effect. It can't have a total effect because we're rational creatures. But, but man is more complicated. So here, the, this, this picture of his mother crying, okay, that, that's okay. Of himself dead, that's okay. Of his father a murderer. That's okay. But the picture, no, it's not the thought, not the, men, not the concept, not the rational concept, but the picture, the mental picture of Yishmael taking in his hands that special gift that his mother gave him on his bar mitzvah and taking it to Yishmael's house. Although Yitzchak knows that that's irrelevant. But that's something that you can't get out of your heart. And what the Medrash is basically saying, if that, is that people are complicated. It's not making a moral 
comment. On the contrary, if this is the uh, understanding of the Midrash, and I think the answer is that is, has no moral value whatsoever. It doesn't increase the evil of the Yakedah. The Midrash is telling us simply that life is more complicated than rational ethics. And we should be aware of that, perhaps in order to overcome it. We should be aware of the fact that we are emotional, psychological creatures, and since, in fact, our mind should rule, you have to make an effort to, make an effort to walk with Avraham, even though you're different than Avraham. This argument would have no effect on Avraham. It wouldn't hurt Avraham so much to see Sarah's presence to Yitzchak in the hands of Ishmael, but Yitzchak, who had experienced that, he had received Sarah's love for him in the form of those presents, those those clothings, those whatever they were. So for him to see that loved object, that object which expresses his mother's love in the callous, unfeeling hands of Sinai de Beite, the, the enemy of the house, that causes his heart to break. And therefore, knowing that, he fixes it. Or he forces himself to go on anyhow because breaking hearts should not make a difference. So that's one understanding of the Midrash. And I think a very poignant one and an important one. What I'm worried about is that the Midrash is not being psychologically emotional, but in fact is being philosophical. The Midrash is saying that there are real moral factors which aren't necessarily rational. And that in fact, if when we judge philosophically the Akedah, the answer is it should be done. Avavinu makes the correct choice to do the Akedah. Yitzchak makes the correct choice to participate in the Akedah. But then I raise this argument raised by the Satan. You're not just doing evil. What, what, what's, what is in fact so poignant, so, so disturbing in the picture of Ishmael taking home the, the, uh, the scarf that uh, Savan knitted Wait at night, pouring our heart into, into it. For little, for little Yitzchaks, we shouldn't get a cold when walking to Tamatar in the morning. What's so terrible if that scarf is in Ishmael's hands? Maybe it really is something here. It's not exactly a rational thought, but the corruption of the good, the love of Savah, this pure love of Savah, when you turn it into just another scarf, another object which can be looted, or inherited, or taken, by someone who doesn't understand, who doesn't care about it. In fact, he's the exact opposite. He represents the opposite of that love because he's the hated of the house. That corruption of love, it's not morally worse than than killing. Let's be honest. But it's not rationally morally worse. But there is something to the aesthetic of it. There's something to the fact that you see a beautiful thing turn sour, be corrupted, wilt, become ugly, become the symbol of its opposite that has a real effect, that has a real power to inhibit what otherwise would be a moral action. I, I, I feel that I'm not explaining it well enough. I hope everybody can explain it to themselves. It's something you, have to, like, you have to really feel the, the, the poignancy, the absurd, the, the irony Irony is too weak a word. The the the, um, the the evil irony of this picture, and they ask yourselves, well, but 
what do we think about that? Is this some, something for just for a novelist to feel? Or can a philosopher, or, 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 or a philosopher agree? Does a, does a Ben Torah, does a Yerei Shemaim agree? If that's the question the Midrash is raising, then it's important to realize what the Midrash's answer is. The Midrash does not answer yes unequivocally. Midrash gives a truly amazing answer. Midrash's answer is, well, maybe a little. In other words, again, Yishmael continues walking up the mountain. He doesn't argue with his father. He expresses Kadmeyo Mila Kula, Kadloteo Mila Kula Teo Palga. It doesn't have a hundred percent weight. Usually things are either true or not true. Moral arguments are either a hundred percent, Kula, or nothing, Ephes. This argument is Teol Palga. As opposed to my first explanation, not that it has a psychological effect, a partial psychological effect, but it has a real partial value. This argument isn't correct, it isn't incorrect. It's something which has to be weighed and it's expressed in Yitzchak, the tzaddik's genuine appeal to his father's mercy. He says to his father, don't you see this? Isn't there something here that we're missing? And when his father says no, then Yitzhak has no choice but to say no. And then you have to choose. You can't do things partially. You can feel that things are complicated. But in the end, you either have to do them or not do it. So in the end, it's either yes or no. But what the Midrash might be saying is that it's the right thing to do, the Akedah, meaning yes, you do it, but if we could express it more complicatedly, then it's only 50% you will do the Akedah and there will be a genuine loss when you do it. Because Yitzchak's beautiful loving gifts from his mother will be in Yishmael's hand and that, more than any other point, you raise ethical questions so the final answer is the correct answer. If it's right to do it then, then there's nothing wrong about it anymore. If it's right to kill your son then there's nothing wrong with killing your son. But now he's saying even if it's right to kill your son there's still something wrong with what's happening with Ishmael. Not enough to change the equation, but not in any way compensated by it. If this is the right interpretation of the Midrash, then the Midrash is saying that life is really complicated. Not just life, human beings are complicated. It's saying that values are complicated. We, philosophers, or people have to make real decisions, tend to, in the end, see things simply. It's complicated when you're choosing, but in the end you get to the right answer. Very, very complicated equation, but in the end there is one number that comes out of the equation. And the Rosh is saying that life is in fact more complicated even than that. You have to choose what to do, but you don't have necessarily the benefit of saying that my correct choice is 100% correct. Meo, Mila, Kadlote, Mila, Kula, Teo Palga, words which are not convincing are nonetheless half convincing, half effective, half valuable, half significant. What is half significance? We would like to say, (laughs) if it's not significant enough to make a difference, then it doesn't count. There's a real tragedy here in this Medrash. There are things which are not significant enough to make a difference, but they are significant enough to hurt. And they really hurt, and they should hurt. And Yitzchak, although he walks up, Yachdav, 
le'akeid v'le'shachet, to be bound and to be slaughtered, is walking with a heart that has this other aspect that the Satan has succeeded in putting into him because it's correct. He's going to bear responsibility for the corruption of his mother's love which way and beyond its moral negative value is also something which you can't measure and therefore can't quantify and don't therefore allow to change your decisions but nonetheless it's a great tragedy in and of itself. I would like to speak more about this topic but I'm out of words as well as out of time and I hope that you will think about it some more because I think that there is basically a opening to a very deep and complicated point here more in the realm of of, of, of literature, of understanding, of, of life understanding rather than philosophy which is more or less my forte and perhaps wiser people than I can explain it better. And that is all for today. Have a happy Hanukkah. Kol Tov. And I'll be back next week.